All Kanye does is steal. He's not a genius. He's a thief. The dude is a thief. I know multiple people he's stolen from. Multiple people. Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, man. You heard it here first. He's not playing. No, Aaron's not playing. No fucking game. You got your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man, because they're giving y'all nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate the intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle podcast. What's up with it? All right. Well, welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I'm with the great Maddie Mad, uh, a fantastic artist. Um, he's got some pretty amazing stories and also an amazing journey in hip-hop he's worked with artists like ride digger joe to see genuine busy bone flow rider dj quick and jamie fox as well the actor and rapper of course uh most recent single was on red as well that that dropped you got the music videos out as well and you've got your album success too that's out as well so man it's an absolute oh, no. pleasure Hey, I didn't mean to cut you off. A big dog success two is on the way. It's on the way. On the way. Success two is on the way. No, I think it's out. Hey, you tripping. Success two is out. Success three is on the way. I was going to be like, I definitely listened (laughs) to it today. (laughs) And I'm doing so much music, man. I'm just, I'm a little bit caught up, man. But I got success three on the way. It's on the way. Well, man, it must be weird to forget what you've released and what you haven't. It means you've released a lot of music. Here's the issue, you know, I really haven't released a lot of music, but I have a lot of music, <laughs> you know, so, so sometimes, so sometimes, you know, as far as my releases, I, I really want to fatten up my catalog. I want to get my catalog a little bit bigger because I have so much music, so much unreleased music. I got music with Flowrider I haven't released. I got so much music, but you know what? Now I'm going to start dropping these albums because I have to rebuild this, rebuild the fan base because this it was a big switch. You know, starting early in, in hip-hop, hip-hop wasn't digital. It wasn't streaming, you know, so you kind of have to, once streaming came about, you have to rebuild your fan base. Well, I was going to ask you, because I've, I've spoken about this a couple of times. I've always wondered why artists hold songs back or why they don't release them. But what happened in your case where you were like, you know, you've got such a large catalog, it's just not out there and, and not being seen. Well, the biggest issue is how to monetize the songs because you just you don't want to just give them away because there was a time in hip-hop where people gave away music. They gave away mixtapes. They gave away, I'm talking about a whole album's worth of content, and I think that that was a waste of money. That was a waste of money because you would have been better off trying to find a way to actually monetize those mixtapes and then they started doing that they started monetizing those mixtapes because they started touring off of them they started releasing them the mixtapes get popular and then they can actually go out and tour when they don't have an album out but the biggest thing about not releasing music is you don't want to release the wrong thing because the music industry is always about what have you done lately and they go off of the numbers go off of the streams so when you renegotiate contracts and deals and budgets Yo, you have to be conscious of that because if you release something and it doesn't do, do as well and you like, you know what, I didn't really care too much about the song anyway. And then, then you start kicking yourself because, wait a minute, that just cost me some money on rene- renegotiation. So is it is it, though, that you're, you're 
you're you're always thinking about you know what the perception will be of you as an artist or is it like you know you don't want the the music to come out to be less than what you think is your best as artists we all kick ourselves because we are we are overly critical you know of our music and sometimes we'll hold something back that people will love you know sometimes we'll hold something back that that could possibly be a hit just because we don't like it per se. That's why I, I have a whole new process of releasing music. Now I get my brothers involved. I get, you know, I I, I make sure I, I send Marcus. I make sure I send Marcus music. Marcus is my is my brother. I make sure I send him music. I make sure I send short music. I make sure I get them music so to where they can give me. Those are the post, those are two of the most like pragmatic and you know rational thinkers that I have really in my circle. So I make sure I get them music and they're going to tell me exactly what they feel about it, you know, without a bias, this, that, and the third. And I want it to come from, they're actually fans of my music also. So from a fan perspective, we have to reach out to our fans and say, okay, what you feel about this and what you feel about that? You know, even though they could be wrong too, but it's always good to have, have more ears, you know, on a song. So it's interesting that, you know, it feels the more I talk to artists and, you know, you kind of talk about this is that artists almost don't know what's good and bad anymore, especially because you've been an artist for a long time. You get lost in self-criticism, in self-reflection, in this is what I used to do, this is what I do now. And then you just get lost in like, where is the bar? What is the bar? What's a good song? What's not a great song? And then like you said, you have to reach out to people in your circle to be like, I need perspective. Absolutely. And you know what? We're all wrong. You know, we're all right and we're all wrong because even songs that we don't like, there's a fan base for it somewhere. There's a fan base for it. If you put out a song, there's songs that are just absolute. I've heard I'm like that is absolutely terrible. And then it has a fan base. You have people, it, it, it develops a following and so I think that now at this time, all of the unreleased music that I have, and it is a lot of it. One one album in particular, I couldn't release my songs with Jodeci, and now I can say it is beyond the statute of limitations. You know, um, the crew, my team got hit by the feds, right? We got hit by the feds, and the record label, my country, everything was involved. Everything was involved because they were trying to say our, my record company was a front, was a money laundering front, you know. But they try to do it. They try to do that to all of us. That's what they're doing right now to they're doing right now to um, Young Thug. And there are more to come. But they they've been doing this a long time. They, they keep trying to marry what we do as artists to what has been done on the streets. And those are two different things. And that's why I tell all the artists that I sign right now, make a decision on if you want to be in the streets or you want to be in music. Make a decision and stick with it, you know? So so basically, I have a whole album I couldn't release because if I did release it, it would have technically been money laundering. Because if they say this record company was on this, that, and the third, and, and you make $1, if we would have made $1 from that album, that would have been a money laundering charge. So I had to shelf all of that music because my, my team members were caught up in the indictment, were caught up in, you know, 
and fed cases. People got a lot of time and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So I live a very, very real life. You know, this is not, you know, this is not no facade. So what was the, the, the reasoning behind the indictment? Was there, yeah, because they obviously had some, or they had, I'm assuming they had some reason to believe that it was money laundering. What was it from your perspective in terms of what they said versus what actually was happening? What actually happened is I sold a lot of records. My, my first my first EP, the first album or EP or anything that I've ever released sold over 175,000 units, independent, right? That, not, that don't sound like a lot of records when you look at the mainstream. But think about this. At this time, this was the time right before CDs went out and streaming came in. This was right there, right there on that border, right? So we're independent. We're making, we're selling our CD for, selling my CD for, for um, $14, $15. And we make $12 off every CD. So 12 times 175000 I got a lot of cash. You know, I have a lot of cash, right? And so when, when all of that came about from members of, who was members of my team, what they were doing separately was, hey, I don't know anything about that. So what they were doing separately, um, it kind of because they were involved in in my music, it it married the two, it married the two. And in the eyes of the law, if they say that's what it is, then that's what it is. Even though that's not what it was, I sold a bunch of units and made that cash. I my cash got caught up in there too. So it was just like, man, we all took losses. I, I, it took me a long time to even. Cause it was a time where I'm sitting over, I'm sitting on over a million dollars, right? I'm sitting on over a million dollars and I can release music however I want. If I want Andre 3000, I can get Andre 3000. If I want, I, I turned down songs with Kanye and Just Blaze. I, like, I don't feel like doing it. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't really a smart decision now, but it was like, we, we don't feel like doing it because we was busy doing other things, you know? So, so basically when you got the cash to do it and then when you don't have the cash to do it, it changes your creative process. Because when I write songs, even though I don't use pen and paper, I hear people on it. Like, oh, I hear so-and-so doing this hook. I hear so-and-so on this bridge. I hear so-and-so on this feature. And then you can go and get them and you can execute the song to the fullest ability, you know, uh, of your, you know, of your artistry. But when you can't do that, when you create songs and you hear somebody on it and you can't go get them, because I don't have 40,000 to spend, you know, after taking that loss like that, I don't have 40 to spend. I don't have 50 to spend. It, it changed my creative process and it put me back to zero. So it took me a long time to get out of that mind frame of, you know what? When you're starting off, you don't care about what you can't afford. You're like, I'm working with what I got. You know, I'm working with what I got. I'm creating music. This is what I got. So I don't care about what I can't afford or what I can't, this, that, and the third. But then you get the money and you can't afford it. Then you get into that form of creating creating songs. And then to have to go back, it was a big, 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 big difference. For me. Big difference. So it took me a long time to start creating music again and get back into that mode to where, okay, now I'm back to square one. You know, I'm, I'm back in the struggle. You know, I'm, I'm back. You know what I'm saying? I'm back rock bottom. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, so I started creating music. Success One was from rock bottom. That that album was from rock bottom. That's why it's so raw. 
That's why it got so much on there. It, it, it got so much of of everything that we went through. What I went through with the fans and all of that, that's on the song, Let the Music Speak. If you want to know what happened, listen to that song. It'll tell you everything about what happened. Can I ask, how much did they take from you? Like, is there a percentage or, an, or a number? Like, did they take, because obviously when you're talking about it, they took a lot. Yep. Um, 1.35 million. And my, and my friend lost over 11 million. So it's, that's my brother. You know, he lost over, he lost over, well, it was well over 11 million. And he only, he only got caught up in that situation because believe this or not, there's a lot of people out there who need to hear this. When it's federal, that lawyer client privilege does not exist. His lawyer wore a wire on him for almost three years. Really? Yes. And that is fact. Damn. Yeah. I feel like, cause these are things we see in movies, you know, all, <laughs> all the other shit, you know what I mean? Like it's real different when it's in real life. There are laws that we don't know about that, that essentially dictate. Cause I did a law degree. I went to uni and I did a law degree and it is complicated as shit. And the thing is the laws are always changing and what you learn is actually not the rules you just learn how to read them and you learn how to find them because like there it's always moving it's always a moving piece i i was like no nah, fuck this it sucks but like it is ridiculous how complicated it is the loopholes there are and the levers that you know the people in the system can pull yeah they, they do whatever they want to do they change the rules as they go so so was the indictment about money like, was it literally about, like, you made money illegally and you were cleaning it through? It was about drugs. It was about drugs. That's, that's what they said. Yeah. About drugs. And so when was that? What time period? 2006. Okay. Because, and then it took you, I think it was four years before you dropped your next project. 2010 I dropped I dropped a single because um I was on the phone with um executive at Universal and it was like um Maddie you gotta you know you gotta release something and I was watching from dusk till dawn with George Clooney and Tarantino and I was like mm. and I started listening to this beat and it just came out creatively I wrote the song till I'm a zombie so so and and that and that that video is a lot like the movie. It's pre, it's pretty much like it gives it gives um pays homage to the movie from dusk till dawn. And we changed into zombies, but of course in the movie they changed into vampires. And it's called um I shot that video with the actual makeup people who worked on from dusk till dawn. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I didn't release the album though. I was still in I was still in my and 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 I just didn't I didn't appreciate I didn't want to be back at square zero you know like starting starting all over when you when you right there i just shot the video with jodeci and and all of that you know i i was right there i was controlling my own destiny and then the rug got snatched out from under me and i was back at square zero nobody could understand what i was going through nobody could understand it because 
it was a time, you know, you, you we all read stories about people losing everything and then like jump off a building or something like that. And we're all judgmental. All of us, we're all judgmental. Like, how weak can you be, you know, to just end your life over something like that? No one knows until you go through it what it means to work hard. I worked extremely hard. I stood on corners in Detroit, Chicago, ducking bullets to sell my CDs, right? And I earned my money. I earned it, right? I earned it. And it was all taken away. No one knows how that feels to lose everything. You know, so stop being judgmental of people who, you know, I, I don't condone suicide or anything like that. I, I say seek help. Please seek help. And I didn't even know I was in a different place mentally from losing everything to, to now me looking back and saying, damn, I was different. I was different. I mean, I agree. I think, you know, if you need the support, you should go seek the support. It's really important that we continue talking about these things because I think the the in most interesting part is that it crept up on you. Like you didn't realize that that's how you felt. And and now looking back, you can see it. But you were saying you you don't know until you go through it. Can you explain what you were feeling at the time? Is there like, I don't know, for you, obviously it's been a while since th- that happened. So when you look back, is there a feeling or is there a way that it's easier to digest when – you know, people like myself or other people who haven't gone through it hear your story? Yes. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you for sure what's not the solution. What's not the solution is drinking, partying, you know, and, you know, just going overboard with the, with the whole, with the whole um, get lit lifestyle. Going overboard with that, it's going to make things a lot worse. And that's what I did. You know, I was I was I went to a club one night while the indictment was going on and I got into a fight like with the whole bar. Basically, I was out of town and and I was I beat some guys up at a at a gas station. And the reason was so small. I was never like that. I was never the one to even though I didn't start it, but I would have time before that, I would have brushed it off like, man, go ahead. You know what I'm saying? And I wouldn't have worried about it. But now I'm so on edge. I'm so tick, tick, boom. Anything set me off. It affected my relationship. It, it affected everything. I was drinking more than usual. Usual. I was going out, getting, I'm talking about smack. I'm in the club six in the morning, still kicking it, this, that, you know, and, and it, that didn't do nothing but make things worse. So don't look for any substance to help you through it. You have to understand that you're going through something and it's natural because there is a grieving process for your status. If you lose what you work for also, when if you lose what you work for and it's gone, there's a grieving process. That's a loss. That's a serious loss and it shouldn't be overlooked. It shouldn't be, oh yeah, that's just, that happens to everybody. But my main thought was, how do I get back? How do I get back? That was my main my main process, and I was running out of running out of options. You know, you know, I, I never had a job in my life, and me going to get a job at that point, you know, I felt like, damn, this is how, look how far I fell. I didn't even know how much my bills were. I never knew. 
I never knew how much I was paying for for nothing. I never knew. It was just, I, you know what I'm saying? I, I get money to an individual and the individual take care of it. And I'm, I'm traveling. I'm in Florida. I'm in, I'm in California. I never knew. Not until I lost everything. I started looking at my phone and be like, damn, that's how much I'm paying for my phone? Like, you know, <laughs> life changed. Life changed like that. Because one moment, one moment, one moment I have it. And you, I literally woke up the next day without it. That's how quick it happened. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm trying to put myself in your position. Trying to be like, you know the dream of being an artist came true and and not and by me I'm by artist I mean successful like mm-hmm. to be able to live off your craft that's I think most artists dream to be able to make music and then live off their craft and not have to work a regular job not be told what to do by others so I'm trying to imagine like you've done that you tick the box you think that your future is set and then all of a sudden, you got to rebuild. But I wonder, like for you, because because you saw that it's possible, whether that helped you, that you saw it at once, that you felt it, that you knew that you had the ability and you had the craft, did that allow you to get back there and be like, I can do this again? Yes, that was the only thing. That was the only thing. My actual skill set, my actual skill set was the only thing that brought me back. It was, yeah, it was, it was the only thing because I didn't have, I couldn't see a lot of artists that you see right now. You only see them because of money. It's not because of their skill set, you know, for a lot of, them, you know, and um, I had people around me that tell me like, wait a minute, like, man, I, people running to me on the street, like, what's up? Like, Where's the music? Like, what you done? You finished? You know, I just I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm working on something or whatever. The second, third, and 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 then I go home and not create, you know, and, I, and I'm and I'm watching fucking Friends or something, you know what I'm saying? I'm not creating, you know. I, I went from I went from creating all the time because I I'm nonstop creating to like, damn, how can I create and be? And, and I have to start down here because even if I do create it, how am I going to promote it? Promotion takes money. Promotion takes money. I spent three hundred thousand on just videos. I spent one hundred and fifty thousand on the Jodeci video. Then I spent another hundred and forty something on the That's What's Up video. You know, I had the live trains and, and all of that. You know, and right before, right after LeBron, we did we did the court, and we we're from the same city. Akron, Ohio. Right after he redid the court on uh, on the hilltop, I shot a video there, and 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 I had had the whole city locked down. The mayor wrote a letter and gave me a permit to shoot anywhere in the city that I want. You know what I'm saying? Because I got, you know what I'm saying? I got the bag. You know what I'm saying? I could do what I want to do. You know what I'm saying? So it, it went from that to being, damn. Even if I create, I can't shoot this video the way I want to shoot it. And the one thing that broke me out of it, I did the. Till I'm a zombie video. It came out. It came out great. And to this day, it's probably one of my best videos. And I didn't have the budget like I had before. That wasn't a hundred thousand dollar video. You know, I spent probably like five, six thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? And that's still for people at square one. That's a lot of money for a video. 
you know, but man, it put me in a different, it put me in a different mind frame, man. It's just everything, everything changed, you know, but I would have to say that my artistry brought me back because as time went on without creating, it just, it was, it was a buildup, a buildup and buildup. And by the time, by the time I created another, another song, it just started pouring out. And next thing you know, I had an album. It was nonstop. I think that's an important piece to like, you know, obviously subconsciously you just switched that part of you off. You weren't ready to start again. Like you just, like there was something there where it was like, I wonder if it was like a fear of the same thing happening again, a fear of like, I can rebuild it. I can get to the top and then they're just going to take it away again. And then I'm going to have to do it again. And I wonder if that was, was stopping you. Not at all. No, not at all. I don't give a fuck about them. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) I was like, my only, my only issue was internal. My only issue was, damn, like I can't do this like I want to. You know, I can't do that. I was out out in LA. You know, I had a Ferrari for a month. You know, I had it for so long, I didn't even want it no more. The last like seven days of me having it, it just sat out there collecting dust. I didn't even, you know, I burnt it out. It's like, man, I was living a different lifestyle living a different lifestyle. I'm sitting around stars, around snooping around around Jamie Foxx and, and I'm ordering a table full of bottles. You know what I'm saying? I'm paying for it. You know, just to be able to not go back to that same club and get VIP treatment. You know, you know, it was a, it was a big it was a big difference for me. I had to grasp it and then but getting a job and shit like that, I felt like that was failure to me. And that was wrong. That was wrong. If I could go back, if I could go back, I would say, you know what, do whatever it is that you have to do to survive, to be able to create, you know, and that's what I would tell myself. But at the same time, I mean, it brought me to this point. I learned a lot. I learned a lot from falling. You know, um, you don't really learn much about from success, but you do learn some things. You learn that people treat you differently. And those are the things that you that, that you miss, you, you miss like, okay, well, people will do things for free because they know you can afford it, but calling people when you can no longer afford it, they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. And trust me, I called in a lot of favors. I, I, get, I gave a lot of people a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I paid Google like damn near 1200, 1300 a song to mix. He mixed like 12, 13 songs for me. And then he turned around and steal my idea and, and give it to Kanye West. And then I gave him 10,000 for a beat. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, like that was so unethical to me. I know I haven't, I know I need to just let it go or whatever because it was, it was a while ago. But I still think that that was probably the fakest shit that has ever happened to me in the music industry. You pay an individual to mix your music. And then he steals your idea he, or he gives your idea to another rapper so he can steal it and then put it out and make a bunch of money off of it. And don't even call you like, yo, listen, my, my bad. He heard you. I was missing. I was mixing your record. He heard it. He liked it. He put it out. Listen, he going to give you a verse or something. And I would have been like, cool. Take the idea. I'm happy that you got success from it. I'm happy. But they didn't even do that. They didn't even do the. I still feel like Kanye need to make things right with me because my song at that time was the biggest thing that he ever had. 
His first single didn't do nothing on that album. And you notice that Gold Digger song don't sound like nothing on his whole album. That's because it didn't come from his team. It came from me. And they, and they still ain't, you know, they still ain't reached out to me and, you know, and made it right. And Young Google, he seems like a smart dude, but that was the most unethical, slimy, backstabbing thing that I've ever seen. Like, I've never seen nothing like that, you know? And, and, and then from, I don't even want to talk about it no more, but I just know when I see him, I know I got worse. Do you have your version though? Yeah, it's on, it's on, it's on YouTube. But here's the thing: when you hear my version, you can't copyright an idea, so you can. I can only be so upset about an idea, right? But the fact of the matter is, recording the song, I recorded it at Baseline Studios. Guru was the engineer of that recording session, and he, I recorded the record, right? I came out the booth. He was like, Madden, you know, this is a single right here. I was like, man, listen. But I had already promised the dudes that was on the hook that I will put out their version. And I'm a man of my word. I said, you know what? I'm going to remix it, get a feature. I'm going to speed it up, get a feature, and boom, I'm going to put that joint in the club. That's the idea that they ran with. That- yeah, it, it must be hard to trust people now, though. Man, in the music industry, don't trust anyone do not trust anyone if you're an artist and you're looking at this do not send your music to any artist ever ever they're not going to help you they're just going to steal from you they're not going to help all kanye does is steal he's not a genius he's a thief the dude is a thief i know multiple people he's stolen from multiple people it must be it must be difficult to see artists like that, you know, do well. No, you know what? It's not difficult for me because me, me ultimately, I want to see, I want to see all my brothers do well, right? All of them. I want to see all of them do well. And I'm at the point to where if Kanye called me tomorrow and be like, you know what? That was dirty. That was dirty. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to give you this verse. I'm going to make things right with you. You know, I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to look out. You know what I'm saying? I forget about it and I forgive him because he's my, because he's my brother ultimately, you know? And, and I don't, we only got so much time on this route. You know, we only got so much time on earth. I'm not going to be holding on to it to the point. The only, only reason why I'm holding, I'm bringing it up now is because of the fact that, that he's in the position to make it right. You know, you understand what I'm saying? But they steal from people who they feel like are at the bottom because how they going to reach me? I'm way up here. They're way down there. How they're ever going to reach me, you know? And that's why they steal. And I, I just feel like that's just wrong because you were once in the same position. You know, you, you were once. And he had to do ghost production. He had to create beats and have other people take credit for it. So you know what it means to have things taken from you. And then you for you to turn around. He's a victimized predator. He turned around and became the same thing that that um that hurt him. Yeah, I think I think that is extremely common, unfortunately. That the that like, you know, you get to a position you're you have to suffer the pain and you have to go through the difficult periods. And you're like, I can't believe people are doing this to me. And then you get to that privileged position 
and you're like, well, this is what I had to go through. So now everybody else should go through it too because I didn't have it easy. And so instead of changing, they put that, you know, the the difficulty on others. Right. And then when, when, it, and when, when stuff like that happens, and then when he's somewhere, let, let's just say, okay, I see him somewhere and break his jaw, right? How is that going to make me look? Even though me punching him in the face is justified. Yo, you stole from me. So, okay, I don't care if it was an idea. I don't care if it was an envelope, if it was $1. If you take it from me, it's justified. You know, so if I break his jaw, everybody going to be looking like, damn, man, this dude, man, damn, that was a long time ago, man. What's wrong with this dude? This, that, and the third. No, he stole from me. And he can spin it however he want. He got his PR team to say I was I hating on him or jealous, which is not the fact. You know what I'm saying? I want success for all my brothers. I want success for all of them. And I don't even live by that genocidal code. You know what I'm saying? I live by the king's code. Don't steal or rob from no black person that don't owe you what you're taking. Do not hurt or kill no black person. That don't mean you no harm. I live by the king's code. So that's why I've been wrestling over my mind. Like I, I was tempted. Actually, I'm justified in breaking Google's jaw too. I'm justified. I'm justified. But I'd rather have a conversation because that's my brother. Like, man, listen, we got to make this right. You know what I'm saying? We got to make this right. I don't care, you know, what it is. We got to make it right. And the fact, if you feel like you don't need to make it right, then I feel like I need to, I can, I can execute this justice, you know what I'm saying, however I see fit. I wonder, you say that you're justified in resorting to physical violence. I wonder what the overarching kind of consequences of, let's, let's take you, let's take Kanye, let's take Young Guru out of the picture. Let's objectively just put other people in the picture where it's like smaller stakes. I mean, surely we can't, we don't think that that's the, the best course of action that like, you know, as much as it sucks and yes, there are always snakes and there are people that steal and people that, you know, it's kind of like we've got to rise up and that when we resort to the violence, we actually lower ourselves to beneath them because it shows that it can't, it, it really just negates you as an individual. It kind of, it, it's like a test and there are other ways I think that we can go about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yes, it does. But I'm a, I'm a different individual. I, I believe that, um, that violence is necessary. Um, I also believe that I will try to deal with it diplomatically first because those are my brothers you know and and i and i love them you know but i will break one of them's jaw i will you know you know if if you if you push me if you show me i don't believe that we all can be reformed i don't believe that i believe that some people are just far gone there are just devils in this world i believe that the world would be a better place with them gone and they can't be reformed I just believe that some people can't be reformed. They're too far gone. And so I consider myself a king. But if I come across an individual who has, who doesn't even have the faculties to even understand how I'm coming at him, like, yo, listen, bro, that wasn't right. You know, that wasn't right. And I come from a place to where if somebody does something wrong to you, 
you do something wrong to them. And I understand that eye for eye, we all go blind thing. I understand that. I understand that it's not, it's not the way to bring harmony, you know, to society. I understand that also. But some people need to be punched. Some people need to be exterminated. I believe that. I believe that because some of them are too far gone, too far gone. You know, like like everybody's watching the Jeffrey Dahmer thing. You know, there's no conversations to be had with Jeffrey Dahmer after he ate all of those people. You have to get rid of that guy. (laughs) I will say, though, Jeffrey and Kanye are not the same, right? Absolutely not. And, you know, you're playing devil's advocate. I get it. Kanye, even though what he did doesn't measure up to what the Jeffrey Dahmer did, but in the music industry, he's devoured a lot of people. You understand what I'm saying? Metaphorically, you know what I'm saying? They're parallel. Let's just say, okay, in the physical realm, Jeffrey Dahmer is eating people. In the physical realm, um, Kanye West is eating people, eating their ideas, eating... It's the guy right now who sent Kanye's manager those new shades that he's wearing, you know, like the Back to the Future 2 shades when the guy um, hopped out, they just all lens, basically. Um, when, when Doc hopped out with him on, Kanye has been wearing them, right? But there's a guy who sent his manager that design for those shades. Do you think Kanye gave that man anything? No. He is, devi- he is eating people, too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is, I'm not saying he need to be exterminated or anything, but I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just saying, me punching him in the face is probably justified. But I'm not saying I'm going to do that. I'm not saying I even want to do that. I don't want to do that. Cause, but if I walk up to Kanye like, yo, we got to make it right, man. You stole my idea, man. Like, damn, like, bro, you never even gave me a verse, a beat, nothing. Just disrespect, just spit in my face. And I would never do that to you. And he say, fuck you. I'm cracking him in the jaw. Period. There's nothing else to talk about. And I might walk away wrong. I might, people might say I'm wrong or whatever. I don't care. I don't care because there's a lot of things that are great that were established on people getting punched in the face and exterminated. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. I'm just saying that's the way it is. That's all I'm saying. I'm from the hilltop. You know, people just don't take from you. People just don't take from you and you just be like, oh, okay, Uh, he's Kanye, he can have it. No, he's Kanye, he can get punched in the face just like everybody else. Somebody breaking your house right now. Breaking your house right now. You're not going to just let them walk out the house, walk walk out your house with your stuff. You're going to do whatever, wherever it takes to protect you and yours. That's life. Yeah, I say I find it interesting because it's like, who, who decides? Who's the decider of these things? And it's it's always really interesting because, like, when we talk about, you know, different people and morality and all these things, there are definitely a set of rules that we all agree on, that stealing's bad, obviously killing is bad, or all, all those kind of raw tenets of, like, society, right? But I think it becomes a slippery slope when we start putting judgment on others without knowing their story. And realistically speaking, let's say you had that conversation with Kanye. Let's be honest. His first reaction is not going to be acceptance of your opinion. 
his first reaction is probably going to go tell you to go fuck yourself. His first reaction is probably going to be, you know, on the defensive. And so I think it will take time before he even is open to exploring the idea that he might have done something wrong. You know, it's like the self-belief that before you can have a conversation with somebody, they need to be ready to have that conversation. It sounds like, I mean, I would be surprised if anyone, any artist, if an artist came to you and said the same thing, your first visceral kind of emotional reaction would be, you can go fuck yourself, I know I didn't do it. And then it will take time before that actually sinks in and potentially you reflect differently. Okay, a person, that person is slow. If it takes you that much time to realize that you've stolen something from someone, you're pretty slow. Kanye, on the other hand, is not slow. Kanye West is a 45-year-old man. And if I walk up to him like, listen, you're my brother. I, I got love for you. I got love for you. But this is what happened. Boom, boom, boom. I am such and such. Boom. And this, you got, you stole my idea. You took off with it. Boom. I need some kind of reciprocation. It would be cool. It would be cool. And it would be fair. As men, that's who decides. The man decides. You decide what you take and what you don't take in life. No one else can decide that for you. And me, I decide that no man can take from me without reciprocation or without consequences. No man. So the man decides that. Whoever that individual is, you, you might, not you personally, but someone might be the type of individual to be like, you know what? I don't care. People steal from me all the time. Just steal it. Just take it, you know, and never do anything about it. Once you become that type of person, you're going to become that. You're going to stay that type of person and you're not going to have anything on your own. You're not going to have anything that you can call your own because people are just going to come take it. If that's the type of life that you want to live, then more power to you. And that that's probably, I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't know any, any individuals like that. Where I'm from, we call those bitches. You know what I'm saying? Like, you a bitch. You know what I'm saying? You let somebody do something like that and you don't do nothing about it? You know what I'm saying? You don't say nothing about it? You're not a man. You have to stand on your morals and standards as a man. You have to have some honor about yourself. I, I do agree. I do agree that you have to fight to survive. And it is a dog-eat-dog -dog world. And, you know, I, it's as much as it sucks, it's also part of life that like you you have to compete to be successful you have to compete to make sure that you can rise to the top you have to compete to just make sure that you become the best version of yourself that that can be and that comes at challenge and you know this and what i'm saying is in all aspects of life whether it's you know physical whether it's commercial you know the business world is as rough as any what we're talking about right now is commercial like hip-hop is a business and so that's what we're talking about is like it is very different in a in a commercial standing to to see people and you just got to be able to to fight back i mean lawyers get involved all that shit being in my shoes there's no lawyer that can help me with someone stealing an idea, you know, you just can't, you can't copyright an idea in this world. And maybe that was his mind frame. 
of taking my song. Maybe his mind frame was, okay, I'm going to compete with this. I'm going to make a better gold digger than this gold digger I'm listening to right now. I'm going to make a better gold digger. Maybe that was him competing. But me, from my perspective, it was you stealing from my perspective. You know, so that's the conversation I think that we can have. And and I think that we can come to some common ground. He's a smart man. I think we can come to some common ground. You know what I'm saying? If not, then 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 I guess I'll be getting beat up by his security because I'm cracking that fool in the face. Is there not any intellectual property kind of protection on there? Mm-mm. Nope. Because no, where, where it falls at, it falls on all on young Google, Jay-Z's engineer. It all falls on him. If he moved with ethics and honor, Kanye would have never got the record. You know what I'm saying? So th- there's a lot of blame to go around, you know. But when you're dealing with individuals that do anything to stay on top, do anything to get on top, I don't, I don't care if they took the song. I don't care. Yo, just call me like Google, like, yo, Maddie, check this out. I know you paid me a lot of money in cash to mix these records for you. Then you turn around and gave me 10000 for a track just to show respect. I didn't want the track. I just did it to show respect. Like, man, yo, I rock with you. I rock with y'all. Movement, this and the third move over here. Take this 10000 Yo, give me a track. I recorded the song that day. Boom. And that was it. Yo, and that was it, you know? And then for him to turn around and stab me in my back like that, man, that just shows, man, a level of disrespect. And I just don't live that way. I don't live that way. And there's been plenty of times I could have, you know, I, I could have ran up on him. That, that's not the energy. I, that's not the energy I want to come with. You know, I could have found him and then ran up on him. Actually, I know where he at. I could have went to him, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and did these things. And ran up on him. That's not the energy I want. I want it's going to happen organically. We're going to have a conversation as men because these are grown men we're talking about. Now these these aren't twenty one year old kids. You know these are grown men. You know so we're going to have these conversations and um and and we're going we're going to see where it goes from there. You know, hopefully hopefully it goes by the way of uh, of love because because at this point I don't give a damn about the song. I'm happy it was successful for you. I don't give a damn about that. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yo, but just the reciprocation. I care more about that. That you, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, I'm willing to reciprocate. Brother, listen, boom, boom. I made a lot of money off that song. I'm still making money off the song and I'm still performing it. I'm still doing this, that, and the third. Here, take this verse. I go, I will go quietly into the night. I take my verse uh, and and go <laughs> go about my business, you know what I'm saying? And Guru could call in the favor too. And these we, we talk about some of the most powerful people in hip hop. That's why it's not beef. Like this is not a beef. I don't want people to take this out of context. I don't have beef. Those are my brothers. I don't have no beef with those dudes at all. You know what I'm saying? But come on, at some point, like somebody got to do what's right. Stand up and be a man. Let me get back to your music, because when you when you think about you know, the, the things that you've done and the things that the people that you've worked with, do you take a lot of confidence from that moving forward? Um, I don't really take confident from, confidence from the people that I've worked with, but I do take confidence from those individuals that I've worked with that acknowledged my artistry, that say, like, man, that was dope. Like genuine stopped in the middle of the session. It's like, man, 
you dope. You know, you know, those are the things I take. I take I take from the interactions, you know, of other artists that I respect. Because if I do a song with you, I respect you. I respect your art. And I think that I think that all artists, we all feed off of each other because because steel sharpens steel, you know. So we, we all feed off of each other like man, because I, I consider genuine genuine uh, one of the one of the dope artists in the industry. He's still dope to me. You know, he's still Jodeci is still dope. I just walked, I just went and saw Jodeci recently. They're still dope to me. Flow Rider is dope. I knew Flow Rider was dope before he even had a record deal. I wanted to sign Flow Rider. I was this close to signing Flow Rider. This close. I was like, man, I was talking to my team. I was like, man, listen, that dude is dope. I mean, he is dope, you know, and if I would have did that deal, um, it would have stepped on Devontae's shoes and I probably wouldn't have got the Jodeci video. And it probably hurt my relationship with Jodeci. So I was just like, you know, it was politics in it. So I was like, nah, I can't do it. I can't do it. Right. I was actually going to ask, like, what what led not to signing Flowrider? Was was it other other business interests or other relationships you had? Yes. Yes. And then... and and. and and for him, and thankfully for him, we didn't sign him because if we would have signed him, he would have got caught up in all that mess that I got caught up in. So I'm glad that 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 it didn't happen, and he, and he got to go on and flourish and become a high selling artist. You know, he got some, he got some he dropped some nuclear bomb singles. You know, and he that yo he he went on. I, I'm so proud of him. You know, I'm, I'm so happy for him, and I just hope that he's um he continues to do his thing. Yeah, it must be it must be like rewarding and also exciting to see people you've got a relationship with do well and know that you are a part of their journey and like whether whether for good or for bad you're you're there or not there but like that you know that you played a part and it was something that helped them continue and and flourish and obviously Flowrider was the biggest artist on the planet for a period of time like he was yep. just everywhere like i i ever know in back here in australia everyone was playing flow rider yes i was extremely happy for him man when he first got his deal he called me and we talked i was like man i am so happy for you you know and and then he just went on i saw him again i saw him in florida um right after right after we talked and and we had a conversation then too but you know the, the guy is man the guy went on to do major things. I don't think he's on Atlantic anymore, but I know he's still he's still, you know, dropping those bomb singles. Yeah, I think I think what what's most impressive is that like, you know, a lot of artists struggle, they find like a formula, they find their skill set, but they struggle to sustain it over a long period of time. Feels like Flowrider just knows how to like you know, he just knows his sound so well. He knows like what it takes to create solid singles that really take off that's because he's dope he's dope he's his delivery is his delivery is is up there is up there with anybody's the way he can deliver a record he he's up there he's the dude is dope well man i'm interested to know what's your move now obviously we spoke a lot about your past but i want to understand 
a little bit more about your future. You said you've got a lot of music. You said you're planning on distributing. You're planning on getting out there more. What's the long-term view? Well, um, I want to give a shout out to Universal Music Group and Bungalow Records, man, because at this point in my career, I want to I want to create moguls. Like, I want to start with artists who are just, you know, fresh off the street, who who have a good product, who are focused on music and distribute their music, you know, um, to throw a major, put them out and show them how to, you know, keep your own masters. I own my own masters. I own 100% of my publishing. You know, I want to show them that it's a grind. It's a long road. But all you need is one. All you need is one song and they can change everything. One song and it can change everything. That's what I'm trying to show these artists that don't go sign these record deals because that's going to put you in servitude, man, for too long. And you're going to lose too much. You're going to lose too much. So just do it yourself. Do it yourself. Go through the struggle. And, and, and none of us are, are strangers, strangers to the struggle. So I, I feel like they should go through the struggle and the payoff will be a lot more. Well, I think it's it's interesting that you said that like, you know, 175,000 units, we said at the very beginning of the show, 175,000 units doesn't sound like a lot. But as an independent, it is enormous. And I was listening to a podcast, I think a while ago, I forget which one it was, and they were saying that like, you can sign a deal and you can have millions of streams, but if you're earning, you know, 5%, five points on it, you ain't getting paid. But you can have 300,000 units move. And if you're independent, that is your life is set in the sense that, like, if you can move that amount on a regular basis, you won't, you're, you're not as famous as the others, but you're more successful. In a financial blueprint, you're more successful. All right. I'm, I'm going to give you an example how one of those artists that's selling $300,000 or 300,000 units um, consistently, how they can become one of the top artists. Because that's Young Dolph. And that's so many artists who start off independent because you sell 300,000 units, you've got $3 million. You have $3 million. Right. And so from that three million to put a single on radio is like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Right. You got a hit single. You you pay up for radio. You on radio. Now your record is spending right next to Kanye and Beyonce. You know, you're right there. You can do it yourself. But you're not going to have the record label putting up and charging you a million dollars for radio promotion when it's only 250,000 and charging you, you know, um, a million dollars. Oh, we put 3 million in your marketing and promotion. When they have relationships with individuals, it's not going to cost them that much money, you know, but that's what they're going to say. And now you're in debt $5 million on one album, you know? So I feel like all of those artists that that can see, if you could sell 300,000 units consistently, you are in a great position to be, you can become the biggest artist in the music industry from your own pockets. Even if it's a hundred thousand, mm-hmm. even if it's 50,000. Yep. That is 50, a lot. Because every album, let's just say, if you're a major, 
at the very least, your album budget is going to be a million dollars at the very least, right? For a major release. And out of that million, you know, you're going to get your videos, you're going to get everything that you need, you know, this, that, and the third. But I guarantee you that million that went into your budget or whatever, you're going to end up owing probably like three million when it's all said and done, you know? And then, okay, you're going to try to make up for it on the next one. Then you're going to tack on another three million. And then you you wonder why they won't let you go because you're in debt. And then when they do let you go, they put in the contract. You still have to pay a percentage back to the label. So you're still not really independent if they're getting the biggest piece of the pie, even from your independence, you know? So just don't do it. Don't do it. You know, that's what the, that's what they don't tell you. A lot of those artists don't recoup. They don't leave their labels with a clean slate. You know, they don't. They, they all they all leave in debt. Yeah, it's it's so it's so interesting because like, you know, before I started like my journey and like talking to artists and like getting more into the industry, you like you have this perception of like what a label is. You have this perception of like what the music industry is. And then the more you talk about it and the more you learn about it, the more you realize, oh, it is way different than what I thought it was. And I think that's what a lot of artists find, especially because they're approached early in their career for a deal. Like they're approached before the education. They're approached before and they're like, you know, shown like all the cool shit. And then, as you said, they end up in debt. Yeah, because because they... They, they take those chains and those cars and and they think that those are gifts. They're not. You have to pay for those. <laughs> you know, you have to pay for all of those things that you get. And they get them when they're young and when they don't really care about financial stability. They just care about shining. They care about the clout. You know, that's all they care about. So they give them all those shiny things to make them happy and they owe big for it. Yeah. And the problem is that if it's not you, it's somebody else. There's mm-hmm. always someone else lined up. There's always someone else. They ain't so like, and that position that they're always in to be like, if you don't sign, I'm gonna go get somebody else. It's like the fear, the fear that this is an opportunity I will never get again, and so they end up signing a deal that they don't particularly want to sign. But here, but here's the thing. Well, here, here's the thing. We all we all get to the point to where. Um, we have to understand, well, we all don't get to this point because a lot of people don't understand it. Those of us that are in the industry understand how it works now. There's no artist development. They're not signed in a, signed in an artist that has no buzz and has no traction on social media that has nothing and then building him up into something. No, they're waiting for artists to put out his own records and become and become big on Instagram or or, or SoundCloud or whatever, and then they go sign them. And those artists are the ones I'm trying to wake up like, yo, at this point, you don't need them. You have your own buzz. Just put out your own joints and make your own money. You know, and if you do end up signing a deal, don't under, don't miss, miss um, how should I put this? Don't take your leverage lightly. Understand your leverage. Understand that they're coming to get you for a reason because you already done the hard work. The hard work is becoming someone. 
Now all they have to do is put some money behind it, behind you and, and, and help you become someone to someone else, you know. But you're already you already have a core fan base. Once you get that core fan base, you can move your records and you can and you can benefit the big piece of the pie. And when you go when you go negotiate your contract, keep your masters and keep your publishing. Keep your masters and keep your publishing and have them cut you a check for your budget. Don't allow them to spend on your behalf. You know, have them cut you a check and be like, okay, and they get this percentage and then you can go get your own this, that, and the third or whatever, you know, and you can become bigger. And you, you can have them call in, call in some favors for you because, you know, every everyone wants to perform, you know, on the major stage, you know, like Good Morning America or Jimmy Kimmel or something like that. Have them call it in. You pay for it your damn self. You know, and you go and, and you keep your piece of the pie. Just don't give up your independence. Don't give up your big piece of the pie for for for, for a hope and a dream or whatever the hell they're trying to give you because they give you a lot of money up front. But the, but what you own that back in, well, I tell you, it's not worth it. But what I want to do right now, specifically um, for me and my artists and my career is stay independent and just push hard. And I told my artists, listen, at any point, if a major wants to sign you, you know, I'm going to let you out of your contract so you can go sign with them. But understand, it's not going to be me protecting you anymore. It's not going to be me telling you, no, don't do that. Do this. No, make sure you have to register your songs. Get your own ISRC codes. Get your own so you can track the records. You know, get your own this, get your own that. But it's not going to be me protecting you anymore and understand what you're, what you're signing into. You know, a lot of them want that money up front, which I, I don't have the budget to give them three million, you know, two million or, you know, and, and promise X, Y, Z on, on each album. No, I don't have that because it's, it's not like that for independence. But understand what you're giving up. And understand what you're going into. So for my artists, I want to just give them enough knowledge to where they can go on and do their own thing and become moguls. You know, because Jay-Z is a mogul. You know, Jay-Z is a mogul. He started off independent. And, and we know Master P's name for him being a mogul. We know Cash Money for them being moguls. You know? Bad Boy, too. We know Bad Boy for them being moguls. Even though sad that a lot of those bad boy artists left bad boy the same way that they left them that they would leave a major broke that's sad you know what i'm saying but that that's really sad and i hate to see it i hate to see us that's the one thing, victimized predators remember that term you victimized predator you become what hurts you you know and to see us do it to us is painful to me. It's painful. I agree. I 100% agree. And, you know, the more we talk about it and the more we shed light on what happens and the experiences of others, hopefully the more people will learn and obviously, hopefully they'll try and change their behaviours and try to change. And people like you who educate artists definitely help to, to make sure that they don't walk in blindsided um, and make sure they kind of make a decision with the with the right information at the forefront. But, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. I have one more question for you. It's the only 
question that I plan on the podcast is probably going to be the hardest question that I've asked. To be fair, I've asked you a, a couple of tough ones today. Um, but if you had to recommend one album that everybody should listen to at least once to get an appreciation of, can be any genre of music, cannot be your own music, what would it be? Ooh, one album. Before I answer that question, I do want to say this. In order to understand me and understand everything that I've been through, listen to the success series, success one, success two. They're their own entities. So you're not going to hear success one and success two or vice versa. They're their own entities. Listen to both of those. I got success three coming very, very, very soon. So make sure if you like real lyrics, you like real songs, real substance, you got to definitely check out my music. This not nothing, even though there are some street things on the album, you know, because that's where I come from. There are street things on the album, but there are also things that's going to benefit. I have a message. That's the reason why I exist still in this business, because I have a message. And and the people have to get this message. So listen to the music. I'm talking about it's not preachy or nothing like that. It's dope ass music. Bottom line. Now, the one album I would I would I would recommend for everyone to listen to at least one time. This is probably the hardest question I've ever had on any podcast. Hell yeah. Take off my bucket list. <laughs> Okay. Um, oh, that's tough. I would say Don Caluminati, Machiavelli, Tupac. Everyone has to listen to that album one time, at least one time in their lives. Why? Why? Why that? I could see that, like you, you thought really hard about that question. So, mm-hmm. what was the thought process? Why that one? Because it's um. It's one of those albums that perfectly that perfectly represents life at all stages. It perfectly represents life at all stages because there there are so many different type of songs on that album. I believe that every person from every walk of life can find at least one song that they identify with on that album. And it's hard to find albums like that. I would say my success too, but you can't say my own. But <laughs> definitely the Machiavelli, the Tupac, Don Caluminati, Seven Day Theory, because it has something for everyone. It has something for everyone. Well, I love that. Ooh, I want to add. I want to add this too, because I know, I know, I know we've been going for a minute, but we ain't really going to a lot of things. But I want to only give you this. I'm biased when it comes to my favorite hip hop artists of all time. But I want to end a lot of these arguments right now. I want to end a lot of this. Hove is the greatest rapper of all time. If I take out my bias, I like Tupac because Tupac was was his love for the people and and he was so, you know, revolutionary. I have a revolutionary spirit and I can identify with that. So Tupac is my personal favorite. But if I remove my bias, the numbers and the facts state that Hove 
is the best rapper of all time because he did. He's the epitome of a rapper. He's independent. He's a billionaire that he created. He He's a self-made billionaire. You know, and that is the top. All of the money that we brag about as rappers and just that and third, he went out and did it to the fullest ability. He sold records consistently. Longevity is not his fault that Biggie and Tupac didn't have longevity. That's not his fault. Just like it's not LeBron James' fault that Michael Jordan took off for those two years. LeBron James is the numbers and the facts say LeBron James is the best basketball player to ever breathe air. Just like Hove is the best rapper to ever breathe air. I just wanted to state that and put that out there. That is irrefutable. There's no rebuttal. Those are the facts. <laughs> I think we're going to need another podcast to talk about that because that is definitely something that whenever someone says it's irrefutable, everyone's got something else to say. But absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Maddie Mad obviously came through. Uh, if you're going to shout out your favorite rapper, i got to shout out my favorite rapper, Big Pun. Um, I There's something about Big Pun for me who – like to me was like just the lyrical ability of him was like, um, but it's so funny when people ask me, especially who are not like really into hip hop and they're like, who's your favorite? I'm like big pun. And they're like, who the fuck is that? I'm like, don't even worry about it. Big pun was extremely dope. <laughs> he big Pope, big, big pun was like, I'm telling you, he, that's hip hop hierarchy right there. You know, he big pun was dope. I'm, and, 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 the fact that he didn't get longe- longevity is a tragedy to hip hop. It's a tragedy because he has so much more to give. Him, Big L, you know, we, we talk about Biggie all the time and Tupac, but like, you know, there are a lot of artists who really didn't even, we didn't even see their careers really take off. Um, and Big L is definitely one of them as well. But um, I am looking forward to seeing you do fantastic things. As I said, Maddie Mad came through. Um, make sure you check him out. Obviously, Success 3, as we discussed, is coming. Success 1 and 2 are out. He's also got On Red, as we discussed at the very beginning. That's this number one single that's that's on Success 2, I believe, on there. Um, but, man, yeah, obviously, everybody check out Spotify, IG as well. Show him some love. But is there anything else you wanted to shout out? Hell, yeah. It's Maddie Mad on the Hip Hop Hustle. I know what it is. Akron Hilltop, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.